What's up, y'all? Welcome to SOS, and today we're talking anime. Specifically, we're talking One Piece, and to be more specific than that, we're talking about the One Piece live action, also known as Opla in the streets. Now, it's been over a month since the live action came out, and I kind of wanted to revisit it, this time without the recency bias and all the promotional hype. I mean, I'm always going to have some kind of bias as a diehard One Piece fan, but in all honesty, I had zero expectations for the live action, and I'm sure a lot of you guys did too. So after doom scrolling away on Twitter, everyone was ready to compare it to Dragon Ball Evolution or the Cowboy Bebop series. So it kind of hit me out of left field when it was so good. Netflix was out here looking like Braun in 2016 with the 3-1 comeback. Everyone's like, yeah, it's over. Netflix live adaptations are memes. Just stop. And Netflix was like, hold my beer. Credit where credit's due, they made some egregious garbage live actions, but they learned from their mistakes and eventually made this gem. I remember in the months leading up to the show, there was this public opinion that anime live actions are cursed and they should stop. And in my head, I'm just like, well, that's wrong. Look, I gotta quickly address the fact that anime live adaptations are not cursed. It's not even an argument. There's some really good ones out there. The Rurouni Kenshin movie series, that's like five successful films right there. Parasite, not the Korean film that won an Oscar. The Japanese two-parter based on the anime of the same name. And we can talk mainstream too. There's Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise, Alita Battle Angel produced by James Cameron, Detective Pikachu with Ryan Reynolds that I'm sure most of you already watched, and my personal favorite, Alice in Borderlands, which I think is even better than its source material. And this isn't even including all the shoujo anime that get live adaptions. Kaguya-sama, Yamada and the Seven Witches, I swear local Japanese networks adapt at least one high school anime per season. Now, with that theory debunked, I gotta keep it real. The truth is out there. See, when it comes to a lot of action, adventure, basically super mainstream shonens, yeah, their live actions are pretty mid. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, just straight up being budget constraints and CGI. It's hard to depict anime powers without looking silly. And yeah, people said that about superheroes too, but let's be honest, anything looks amazing behind a $400 million budget. Then there's the characters. A lot of shonen protagonists are unrealistically optimistic, goofy, lovingly stubborn, and they just have this shine to them about reaching their goals. Not to mention all the hype their fanbase gives them. Their live action counterparts are almost always disappointing. The audience can never relate to these unfleshed out and empty shells of characters. Even if the actors' performances themselves are really good, the problem lies in the way these characters and their worlds are introduced and depicted. Luckily, the One Piece live action solves all that and then some. Not to say that the show is perfect, in fact, it has many flaws, but it's still able to be an enjoyable watch for both anime and non-anime viewers. So, One Piece live action, also known as Opla, and since we're reviewing Opla, I decided to base this review on the Opla scale. That's right, overall, plot, likability of characters, and action. There's gonna be some things I say that you might not agree with, there's going to be some things in this episode that might trigger you. But at the end of the day, no matter how much I love One Piece, I run a YouTube channel, not a donut factory. So there will be absolutely no glazing here. So sit back, relax, like the video, and enjoy. Overall, yeah, it's good. If you can tell by the intro or you click this video just for this section, yeah, I fuck with it. Go watch One Piece live action. You won't be disappointed. It's entertaining, it keeps you guessing, and it rewards longtime anime watchers and manga readers. 
while still being accessible to new viewers. You got spectacular intros to the main cast that gets you hooked right from the get-go. Then there's some secret Easter eggs in there for longtime fans like Foxy's bounty poster or showing Mr. Seven from Baroque Works in like the first episode who only got a manga panel screen time before that. Or even Shanks literally using Conker's hockey on the beast that took his arm. God, what a crazy plot hole this scene is. But Shanks is him, so it doesn't matter. I'd recommend Opla to a diehard fan just as much as I would recommend it to someone who's never even heard of One Piece before. It's expertly able to build off the source material but still stand alone as its own thing. You gotta give it to the show's creators because it's always showing respect and love to Oda's world but it's made with this finesse and confidence that you just usually don't get for any sort of adaption. It's never afraid to be weird or show the heightened reality that the world of One Piece is known for. You got the kind of can't take your eyes off from grotesque looking Denden Mushis. You got the world filled with weird ass people dressing so oddly and distinctly that you only see in One Piece. The CGI is unafraid to do freaky shit to Luffy. What do you mean by that? Like making his body expand to the point where he can bounce back an entire cannonball. Not to mention Garp being strong enough to chuck those cannonballs with his bare hands. It's just so amazing. The showrunners really went that extra mile to set the tone and perfect the setting. They really wanted to make the audience feel like they're in this world. Opla is filled with these beautiful, almost handcrafted ships. Shout out to the set designers here. I literally got goosebumps on my skin when I first saw the Buratier. The music also slaps, like straight up. It perfectly encapsulates the fight scenes, the emotional scenes, and the comedic ones. The original music gives you this proper piratey fantasy theme that you were hoping for while still sneaking in Bing Saki in there. Not to mention the orchestra version of We Are in Episode 4 when they first ride on the Going Merry as a crew. The Arlong Pirates music goes so hard too. It's like this trap beat, but also kind of sinister. I was like, hold on, is someone gonna spit on this or... It's not just the music, but the sound effects really add that immersive feel like you're going on this pirate journey with them. It's wacky. You can tell that behind the scenes, everyone from the production crew to the post-production crew was really just having fun with it. And in my opinion, that's when the best art is created. This is exactly where Opla begins to stand out among its live action peers like Bleach, Death Note, even The Last Airbender if you want to count it. It captures the essence and themes of the anime, but it's still presenting itself as a TV show. Let me give you all an example. So my first watch of Opla wasn't by myself. It was actually with my dad. He'd never heard of One Piece and his only exposure to anime was playing the Budokai Tenkaichi games with me. So I still remember this day. We put on episode 1 at like 11am and watched all 8 episodes in basically one sitting. See he loves fantasy shows and to him Opla was just another amazing fantasy. And he freaking loved it. It was like showing a kid One Piece for the first time. He's like wait, what's this? How can he do that? How much stronger is she than him? He was invested. At night, when we finally finished the entire show and the Straw Hats set sail for the Grand Line, I told him, yeah, that was basically just the intro for the whole show. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, they all met, made their crew, and now they're going to go on their real adventures. Dai was shooketh when he heard that words. He's like, let's watch the anime right now. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, hell yeah, let's see what happens next. So I put on the anime right after they set sail for the Grand Line. He watches like two minutes of it. He looks at me, puts his hand on my shoulder and says, yeah, turn this shit off. I'm going to wait for season two. And I'm sure there's so many people out there just like him. 
that watch this show and only want to experience the story of One Piece through the live action. And that's perfectly fine. In fact, it's encouraged. It makes me happy to see more people being able to experience one of the best stories ever made in a format that works for them. And this brings me back to the point that Opla presents itself as a TV show. First and foremost, it constantly goes back and forth between the past and present and tells the backstory of all the Straw Hat crew instead of in a prompt way like an anime would. For example, episode 2 focuses on Luffy's backstory while simultaneously showing the present day plot of Luffy trying to assemble a crew, constantly cutting back and forth between the present and past. Then a couple episodes later, you get Zoro's backstory or Usopp's backstory being told as the B plot. This is because there's usually a scene or a hurdle in the present day plot that focuses on one specific character. And the B plot really helps show their resolve and where they're coming from. On the other hand, in most anime, they would tell the backstory of a character all at once, spend a whole episode on it, and if it's One Piece, probably spend like 20. <laughs> As a screenwriter myself, I know that in television, TV shows try to stray away from focusing on just one character or a group of characters without having a B plot. It's implied that this type of writing is boring, so to spice things up, you follow multiple plot lines to keep the viewer engaged in each one. This is especially true for Netflix shows. If you really think about it, the way they told One Piece is no different from the way they told Stranger Things. You don't just follow Eleven and the kids. You also follow the older kids' plot line, Officer Hop's plot line, the mom's plot lines, and so on. In Opla, you follow the Straw Hat Pirates, their backstories, and you even follow the Marines. This was by far the most controversial creative decision the showrunners made. I personally like the Kobe and Garp B-plot, for the most part. All I'm saying is, if you're up to date with the manga, you know that Garp is looking like John Jones and washing everyone in the East Blue. But I did love how the Marines and Pirates married each other, showing both sides of the same coin. There's good Marines, but there's also bad Marines, just as there's good Pirates and also bad ones. This was such a smart technique to show exposition without straight up explaining everything to the audience with the narrator. And I actually like the small interactions with Kobe, Garp, and even Helmeppo. All the Marines they showed other than Garp's crew are corrupt assholes. So it adds some world building to the show in a smart way so the audience won't be as shocked when you see guys like Smoker or Aokiji who are basically good guys but kinda on the other side of the law. This perfectly segues into my next point. Opla was not afraid to change things according to its own vision. This isn't just adding the Garp storyline, it's also getting rid of Don Krieg as a whole. They gave him a little cameo but chose to focus on building up the main villain for the season, Arlong. I actually thought this was a cool idea, I never liked Don Krieg. I mean, I didn't hate him, it was just kind of forgettable. Unlike my hungry boy who betrays him for the gang. I literally wrote him as Gold Dude in my notes and had to google his name just for this. He kind of felt unimportant to Sanji and Zeph's story. They also didn't include the Usopp pirates, which was a little sad, but understandable. This allowed more screen time for Kaya and therefore, you know, more intimacy with her and Usopp. They mildly changed some characters too, which I'll get into the specifics of soon. But remember when I said the show had this swagger and confidence behind it? This is what I meant. The showrunners really kept their own identity and never tried to make a word for word, bar for bar adaption, but at the same time, keeping the story, characters, and themes true to the source material. I gotta give credit to the Death Note film, cause even though the execution was a bit poor and naming their main character Lei Yagami was one of the most disrespectful and dumbest things they could've done, the film really had the potential to make a great what if story. They should've just set it in the same world and let an original American white dude named Ben or Frank go crazy in his own way. Come on, tell me that's not a sick idea, what if someone who wasn't a genius like Lei got the Death Note and just started doing random shit? But we see Netflix learning from their mistakes with Opla. The One Piece live action doesn't just represent the future of anime, but the future for all mass media. Any form of media can be successful if enough care and money is put into it. Overall, 
the best pirate story from Hollywood since Pirates of the Caribbean, Captain Phillips, and Avatar. It's obvious that the plot of One Piece is good, that's why it has millions of readers and watchers. The true question is, how well did Opla execute? For starters, it was very fast paced. If I had to name the biggest drawback of One Piece, it would definitely be the slow pacing. I mean, in the anime, East Blue was 61 episodes long. And yes, I'm including the fillers. See, back then it worked because there was only like 5 animes that aired. But today, with all the options, and not just for anime, but all TV shows are constantly fighting to keep you engaged and hungry for more. The Naruto remake is coming out and they're going to tell the entirety of the series in 5 1 hour long movies. So that just goes to show how engaging it was to see all of East Blue in 8 hour long episodes. Having an episode or two cover an entire arc was pretty cool, especially cause let's be honest One Piece fans, East Blue is the weakest part of One Piece. That's how you know a show is good, the worst arc is the first one. I mean it's more of a prequel than anything, yet with the limited screen time they had the showrunners still managed to establish characters and themes and what to expect when the Straw Hat's true journey finally begins. The tightness and conciseness made it feel like the stakes were raised, it feels like it's meant to be binged. Some new plot points might have even been executed a bit better than the manga, sorry like fuck Don Krieg, I already mentioned that shit, nothing gained, nothing lost. Also Orange Town feels more entertaining and doesn't drag. Then there's the decision to transform Kaya's mansion into basically Captain Kuro's stronghold. This is his domain, not Kaya's, not the Straw Hats's. Kind of a prelude of what to expect in Arlong Park. And not all the decisions were perfect, some were whatever, like how underpowered Garp is. I mean the anime did it too, but the audiences don't even understand how strong this old man really is. They kinda hinted at his strength in the Gold Roger execution, implying he caught him. And his plotline, there are parts I really like. But there are also parts that are kinda eh. This is where the drawbacks come from having the show be so tight and concise. The limited screen time does catch up to it. Like come on, that whole scene with Garp sending Mihawk to the Baratier, that was not it. And so out of character for both of them. This problem isn't just in the B plot, but in the main plot too. Most of the Straw Hats are the real fuck it, let's go along with it attitude. There is no real resistance to joining Luffy's crew, except from Nami of course. The showrunners tried to rectify this by not technically making them an official crew till the very end, but there are scenes and character moments that do feel a bit rushed. Like, there's no true breathing room to let certain scenes hit as hard as they should. For example, the legendary Zoro scene where he vows Luffy to never lose again and become the greatest swordsman. Shout out to them for getting some shots that look fresh out the manga. But let's be honest, both the fight and the scene itself just didn't hit the same. This goes back to Garp being the one to send Hawkeye. I mean in the anime, Hawkeye beat Zoro's ass just for the sake of beating his ass. There's a few other scenes too, but I'm gonna stop myself before I get deemed a hater. But that's just logic. If we let logic win, we'd never be able to enjoy our favorite TV shows and films. The writing style was also more TV or AAA film oriented. There's a lot of one-liners and such, but I honestly thought it was fine. I kind of liked it. It stayed true to One Piece, true to the characters, and showed comedy in its own way. Cause we all know One Piece isn't Demon Slayer or Attack on Titan. From the fights to the banter, the writers get a lot right. And the showrunners understand that One Piece can't be told without this lighthearted, optimistic vibe. I mean for my anime watchers, look at the Kaido fight. It's one of the most epic moments of One Piece, but it's still so funny and wacky even 1000 episodes in. And to be a bit realistic, Americanized media and audiences probably won't like the comedy that One Piece had, especially in the early days. It's a lot of etchy in there, you know, jokes pertaining to the female body or someone being perverted or even these over-exaggerations of characters and archetypes. Not many people find that shit funny anymore. It's a bit outdated to be honest. Sanji will always have nosebleeds, Luffy will be uncannily dumb, and so on. It's not that they abandon these personality traits, but Opla decided to deliver their comedy with witty dialogue and banter. I personally love seeing these character interactions when they do so, and because of it, you get 
special scenes that aren't even included in the anime. You can tell the creators and everyone on set really love the show and tried their best to do it justice, but still make it their own. Adapting a popular plot isn't something so easy to do. You gotta appease the original creators, the fans, the producers, and yourself. And I think the writers did an excellent job. I'm a good doodle! I'm a good doodle! Moving on from the writers to the actors, I was so worried about the characters more than anything else when it came to this show. And I know I wasn't the only one. Twitter was having a field day until the release. And once Opla finally came out, the switch up was worse than Griffith with Guts. In all honesty though, there's so much pressure to capture the essence of these characters, but they somehow managed to do it. And what I love the most is they didn't just depict a complete embodiment of their anime counterpart, but they added their own element to each character. It almost feels like you need to watch the live action to experience this version of Sanji or Usopp. The voice actors even said so themselves. And shout out to the costume designers, they made the characters look like more than just cosplayers. Maybe the ears for some of the mink style characters weren't perfect, but still the costume designers did their thing. Just look at Zef and Hawkeye, god damn, they look fresh out the anime. The fishman design was okay, everything from the prosthetics to the lack of muscle was a bit underwhelming. I mean One Piece is known to have these huge big body characters and when they didn't deliver with Garp, I kinda knew I was gonna be disappointed with Arlong's character design too. The villains and some characters just don't look as menacing as they should. And to be honest, I wouldn't have this problem if I was experiencing One Piece for the first time through the series. It's just the fact knowing that Garp is like 8 feet tall in the One Piece universe always gets me. All the characters, both main cast and side, give great heartfelt performances. Especially the child actors they hired. Like wow, those kids killed it. Also, we love cultural representation here at SOS. It feels good to see people shine in their roles while not being forced to leave their culture. Nami's like this white American type, Usopp's clearly black, Sanji's also white but French with a British accent so like Western European, Zoro's East Asian, most likely Japanese, and Luffy seems to be from Eastern Europe descent. Many of these characters had to abandon their accents or how they speak and it works flawlessly, especially for a world like One Piece. I really like how they mellowed out characters to allow for a more realistic and believable performance. Sanji isn't an over the top pervert but kind of an annoying womanizer. Zoro still gets lost and loves a drink but he's more quieter and less hard headed. Usopp's not this over exaggeration of a coward but the actor still got the fake bravado and the nervousness down to a T. Especially when he's telling his stories. The same thing can be said for all the characters, Luffy, Garp, Nami, Kobe. The actors are able to give you peak One Piece in their own way while still letting everything feel natural. The character interactions are still there. Each character gets along with one another in their own unique way. The Zoro-Sanji rivalry begins right from the get-go. The whole Nami and Usopp avoiding the front line, fighting but still being each other's rocks remains intact. They just need Chopper to complete the cowardly three. Please Netflix, don't do Chopper dirty. And of course, them all slowly and individually warming up to the wacky boy who they come to proudly call their captain. In a lot of ways, it's genuine and feels real. Okay. Let's talk about the Garp plotline one last time. It's the only plot that felt exclusive to the show and I didn't know where it would go. I like how Garp has to come to terms with Luffy's decision and the fact that his era is one that's gone and it's time for a new one. Each character, minor or major, seems to be going through their own struggle, but it still doesn't stop them from living life their own way. And isn't that the essence of One Piece? EMOTIONAL DAMAGE! Now remember those cool exclusive moments I said that I loved? Let's talk about them. 
There's Nami and Zoro playing the drinking game to guess each other's past. Something I didn't know I needed, but we might have to see it animated now. There's also Garp and Zeph reminiscing about an era that's now over. These are like Easter eggs and fan service for OG One Piece fans, but at the same time hold certain thematic tones for new fans to understand. Zoro and Nami's scene shows their dark backstories and that they're more similar than different. So maybe this crew can be a safe haven for them to be accepted and follow their goals. The Garp and Zeph scene shows two old men past their primes. They live life to the fullest and now they have to come to terms with the fact that their time is over. It's time for the youngins to do their thing. And there's so many more like the Kaya and Usopp scenes to develop their romantic relationship or some of the young Nami scenes that they changed a bit. They fit so perfectly in the show. It's almost surprising to think that these scenes weren't even included in the anime. Sometimes violence is the answer. At the end of the day, no matter how good the plot and characters are, none of that matters if the action is shit. Luckily, One Piece was able to very strategically use its $150 billion budget. Action choreography is top tier, really. It feels fresh, action packed, and just like One Piece. There are these great long sequences and panning of the cameras, the different straw hats and a messy battlefield. There have been some great depictions that shows the extent to what anime action can look like on the live screen. RRR, Kung Fu Hustle, and even the John Wick series to name a few. Although Opla doesn't reach those heights, it definitely raises the bar on what people should expect from anime live actions. The Zoro and especially Sanji fights stand out the most for me. Great choreography and smoothness, certain moments like Sanji kicking a fishman into water, or even in the flashback when Yasop bounces a bullet off a pole. There are some hype action sequences that make Opla worth the watch just for them. Now, about saving that budget. The showrunners made several smart decisions to make sure One Piece is not a Marvel CGI fest that may look cool but cost more than what Dana White takes from every UFC fighter a year. Combined. <clears throat> Don't at me. First, let's look at the set design. Remember when I said it was a cool decision to make the Syrup Village arc take place almost entirely in Kai's mansion? Or Orange Town taking place in Buggy Circus Tent? Well, thematically it does work. But there's also a budgeting reason for that. It's way cheaper to rent a mansion and a tent than two separate town areas, especially if you're going to be breaking shit and have more than one day of shooting. The only truly disappointing thing that came with the budget constraints was that there was no mini bosses for Zoro or Sanji to fight. That's right, no Zoro versus Hachi. It would be way too expensive. Usopp kind of got one, I guess. Then there's a CGI. It's passable, not perfect, but enjoyable. They embrace the cartoonish and whimsical. Which is good because if I saw a hyper realistic version of gum gum pistol or the chop chop fruit, I'd just treat it like Starfield and turn it off. The main reason the CGI works so well is because it's not overused. The devil fruit powers are kind of used as a finishing move which makes it rare but cool. Also I know they saved up for the gum gum axe kick on Arlong. I know that shit cost a bag and then some. I love the One Piece live action and look forward to the next season. I'm guessing they're gonna cover all the Baroque works and end it with the X mark and BB saying goodbye, setting up Skypea and maybe Foxy for season three. It really sets a precedent for what to expect for future live actions. I'm looking at you, Last Airbender. And that's gonna do it for me. This episode took so much longer than it should have. So if you guys could like, maybe subscribe, check out our TikTok, check out our Insta, it would really mean a lot. The audio portions are always available on Spotify as usual. I'm still new to this, I'm still learning, I'm trying my best, and I hope to give you guys quality episodes that you can enjoy. And not just YouTube, me and the SOS team got a lot of shit coming up, so stay tuned for that too. But until then, I'm Abedengra, and I'll catch y'all later.